This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Everybody, welcome to Signals from the Frontline, your every Wednesday live cast here on Twitch. Brought to you as always by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get your tabletop gaming goodies all the days of the week, discounted prices, and free shipping options within the continental United States. My name is Reese, I'm your host. Today with me is the one, the only, an endangered species, but we caught one in the wild. Brought him here to talk about 40K and all kinds of fun Age of Sigmar stuff is the Rhino. That was a long intro. I could have gone longer. <laughs> don't, underestimate, don't underestimate my endurance, mm. Pablo. Uh, and it, by the way, everybody, his name is not Peter. Petey Pop is just a nickname we gave him when we first uh, started working here. And uh, yeah, it's actually Pablo. It's actually a name you gave me, and it just stuck. I am the giver of names, the signer of paychecks. It's true. He writes Petey Pop, the rhino <laughs> on every paycheck. And they all don't go through. <laughs> <laughs> So at any rate, uh, we here on Signals talk about all kinds of fun gaming stuff. And if you can't catch the live show, which is 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Wednesdays, you can catch us on all kinds of various other uh, media aggregators, uh, YouTube, iTunes, uh, Spotify, Pandora, uh, however you choose to enjoy the media. Thank you for listening. And if you don't mind, leave us a review, give us a thumbs up, subscribe, all that good stuff so that we can help spread the word. Cool. So the big news for this week is our FLG, uh, FLG mat summer super sale is live. We rarely ever uh, discount our mats, uh, maybe once or twice a year is usually the most that we ever do. So if you've had your eye on an FLG mat, maybe you wanted to pick up a new size. We've come out with quite a few new sizes since the last time we had a sale, which was eight months ago, the last time we did this. Um, Now's a great time to take advantage of that. All the mats are 20% off. And we have uh, a number of new sizes, as I had mentioned. Uh, kill team size mats, which is 30 by 22. And we have a wide variety of designs available in that size. Uh, kill team has been blowing up. So if you've been kill team curious, uh, mm-hmm. give, it a, give, it a, give it a whirl. What about Warcry curious? Also the same size for Warcry. Boom. I think we're all a little Warcry curious, you know? <laughs> Should have done it in college. That's a time to experiment, but, you know, getting on towards middle age here, you know, got to expand my horizons a little bit. Also, we have four by eight mats, which are great for bigger games such as Apocalypse and the new Apocalypse supplement just came out. So if that's something that your gaming group has gotten all a flutter about, well, there you go. You can pick up a giant sized uh, Apocalypse mat for your table. The other cool thing is if you're in the United States of America, and I believe it's probably similar in other places, a sheet of plywood that you would pick up at like a Home Depot is a four by six, I'm sorry, four by eight. So it fits perfectly on a a sheet of plywood or whatever. Um, And then we also have six by three size mats, which are appropriate for games like Star Wars Legion, which is mega popular, and uh, uh, Star Wars Armada. Uh, And then there's a couple other games. I think Rune Wars was actually on a six by three too, if I remember correctly. For those of you who still play it. Yeah. That came and went, like, pretty quick, which is unfortunate. But uh, 
So check it out. And then we also are coming out with five, or we are rele revealing five new designs for mats as well during this. We've been waiting to do it. So we have uh, Ash Waste, very cool mat themed, obviously, for uh, like a, a post-apocalyptic or maybe like a dirty snow kind of an environment. And uh, you often hear about Ash Wastes described in the especially 40K and Age of Sigmar uh, fluff. So pretty cool. Uh, we also have Cavern. I think this is one of the coolest designs we've ever made. So great. It is really, really neat. And as the name would indicate, it's uh, evoking a, an underground setting. Uh, there's some water. It would be really cool for any tabletop game, but it would be also really, really neat for RPGs. So if you took one of the smaller size mats, like a 3x3, a 4x4, maybe even a 30x22, a this would be great for an RPG setting. And and that one I was particularly excited about because when we talked about it, I, met, I, I think I remember recommending it like a year ago. And we talked about how it could possibly work with like the stalactites coming yeah. up from the ground. And I think the artist did a really great job. There's light showing in from the caverns, implying that there's holes. It's just, I think it's probably my favorite mat. It's, it's a, a beautiful mat. It is really, a really good looking mat. And I think it's going to be, uh, like you said, you can make some really unique terrain, like using foam and all kinds of stuff to make like cavern walls, and, like stalactites, like you said, or stalagmites. I can't remember which ones go vertically or horizontally. I don't think anyone remembers. Which ones go up or down. Uh, but yeah, very cool mat. And then now we have San Angeles. Uh, obviously, it's a futuristic kind of sci-fi city setting. The name may or may not have been inspired from a very silly... Remember that? Um, well, the only restaurant was Taco Bell. No, that, that wasn't Judge Dredd. What am I talking about? That was uh, with uh, Wesley Snipes and Stallone and Sandra Bullock. And? That, what was that called? Uh. Uh, I'm, someone I'm, in chat will know. I'm lost. They, they already know. Uh, <clears throat> all right, Pyrometheus in chat says, stalactites hang tight to the ceiling and stalagmites might reach the ceiling. There you go. Mm, someone remembers high school. There you go. Yeah, those little mnemonic, uh, those little like memory tricks are the best. Um, God, what was it? It's going to bother me now. It was uh, it was the one where Stallone is a cop and then he like wakes up in the future. I have no idea. Dude, you, as soon as someone says it in chat, you'll remember it. Demolition, Demolition Man. Demolition Man, okay. Loved it. That was such a silly movie. So uh, great. But that's that's what we, that was maybe, may or may not have been where the, the name came from. You, know, you never know. But great future uh, sci-fi city setting. Uh, it would be really good for a game like Infinity, but you could use it for any kind of a future uh, sci-fi, cyberpunky kind of feel. Very cool. And then we have Scrubland. It's a new kind of a, generic uh, wilderness setting would be really good for anything set on like the plains of the Serengeti or something similar to that. Uh, and then these kind of just kind of generic, you know, wildlife, natural mats are just the easiest to use, really. So giving it some more variety there. And then finally, we have Space 3. And this one is pretty gorgeous. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's what the Space 1 mat, Space 2 mat should have been. Well, Space 1 is super generic, Starfield, very simple. Space 2 has a nebula, which is really pretty. And then this one, we went even further out, like uh, making it as different as possible, because obviously in a space setting, there's only so much you can do. But this one's gorgeous, right? And I, I think it'll be quite popular. So, uh, And again, that's available not only in a 6x4, but in a 4x4, 3x3, 6x3, etc. So check them out. 
So please take advantage of this sale if you had your eye on a couple new mats. Maybe you and your buddies want to put your um, pennies together and grab a couple. Uh, free shipping within the continental United States, $99 and up. It's a great time to pick up a couple mats, get some variety in your gaming. All of these are made here by our staff, and uh, they're made with uh, care and pride. They come with a nylon carry bag and an identification tag to make it easy to store them and transport them. So check them out. And if you want to grab one, you have until August 12th to do so, to take advantage of those savings. In other news, GW released the images of the new enforcers. These are, I'm not 100% clear on the fluff. I, I don't know if these are Adeptus Arbites or if they are just the local police force. I'm still a little unclear on that. But regardless, they look absolutely awesome. I love these models. Yeah, and, and I can't wait for people to cut them up use them up as military scions or whatever have you for their guard armies as well as their necromunda armies and that's actually something i've really loved about the necromunda models they put out is they, they've not only been good for the game but they've also been good for converting and they've always been gorgeous models yeah there's so many cool things you can do like when i finally get around to actually making my talaran guard detachment i was going to use orlock bodies with some third party like uh, turbaned heads and uh, they just look amazing like there's so many cool conversion opportunities so the, the models are gorgeous on their own, really cool. It's awesome to have like the space cops in Necromunda. But like you said, I think you could do some really fun stuff making these like, if you had like a scout, if you had a detachment with like a smash captain and all scouts, these would be gorgeous and they would look, work great for scouts. They look better than the scout models, quite frankly. And you have quite a few options with uh, melee weapons, a sniper rifle and fun stuff. Some of them just have giant pistols. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, the SoCal Open 40K Champs is very nearly sold out. Like uh, we've been saying for a couple weeks now that it's just inching towards sold out. And with the sale having gone live, as is always the case, people are in the web cards like, oh, yeah, I should get my ticket. So we're down to just a handful of 40K Champs tickets left for the SoCal Open. Then all the other uh, events are selling steadily. Not quite sold out yet. So if you were thinking about coming for Age of Sigmar or Kill Team or Shadespire, there is room, but please grab those tickets soon. However, if you did want to play in the 40K Champs or the 40K Narrative, uh, we are very nearly sold out. And the Champs will be a Super Major. That's an unofficial term. But basically, once you get into the 256 and up club, you are one of the biggest events in the world. So the, the SoCal Open is very nearly there. If you want to come, do not wait or you will miss out. So please grab those tickets. Uh, for those of you who wanted to attend, we've been getting a lot of emails, Facebook posts, etc., cetera, uh, texts and calls about a possible uh, community memorial service for Jeff in Control Robinson, um, who, as you all know, uh, recently and tragically passed away very young. That's going to be occurring in Mountain View, California on the 10th of August. That's not this weekend. It's the following weekend. And it'll begin at 8 p.m., if you want to attend and you want to get the details on where to go and all that stuff, please fill out the RSVP form, which is linked in the show notes. And there's also a blog post on Frontline Gaming where you can fill that out. Uh, we anticipate it's going to be pretty full um, and we are trying to get catering and all that sort of stuff sorted out. So uh, please, please fill out the RSVP form. You won't know where to go otherwise if you don't. But um, do it as soon as possible if you think you can make it so that we have time to plan and prepare. Um, this is not the, the funeral. The funeral is actually in uh, tomorrow. Uh, Frankie and I are about to get on a plane for that, but uh, that is only family and very close friends. So this is gonna be open to the public for the memorial service. 
of the community memorial, excuse me, uh, it's open to anybody. So if uh, Jeff was a special person to you, uh, maybe you knew him, maybe you didn't, maybe you only saw him on stream, but you want to come and be a part of this, uh, maybe share some, uh, kind of offload some of that emotional baggage that comes along with uh, uh, grief and grieving and when you lose someone that you care about, come on out and you'll be around people that are in the same space. And it should be a really nice opportunity to say some words. Um, I know some of Jeff's best friends, including Frankie and myself, are going to be speaking at the service. Uh, but anybody who feels moved to do so can. So come on out and um, kind of help get through the process. And afterwards, I'm sure we'll, we'll go to a local bar and tell some fun stories, drink a couple beers and all that kind of stuff. And if you can't make it, uh, they are planning on streaming it on, on Jeff's Twitch channel and Control TV. So if you can't make it and you really want to go and you really want a memorial service, I would go to his channel and, and watch it there live. Yeah, and you know, it's short notice. It's not, it, most people will not be able to come even if they want to, but you can be there in spirit via the Twitch and um, you know, trying to remember a friend and a, a life that was extremely well lived. So that is August 10th. Again, if you want to attend, fill out the RSVP form as soon as you can. And we will see those of you that can make it uh, or that watch on Twitch in, on the 10th. All right, upcoming ITC event news and all that kind of cool stuff. So as always, if you like the ITC, if you think it's improved your gaming experience, uh, it's brought you some enjoyment. Please consider supporting it through the Patreon. The, the Patreon money, 100% of it goes into fueling the ITC, paying for server fees, all the crazy stuff that's come as a part of running what is now a global organization. And it helps us to, to push forward and continue to innovate and to keep it alive. So if that's something that you feel is worth your money, you can support it for as little as a dollar a month via the Patreon and uh, pop on over and, and give it a look. It's extremely appreciated for those of you who decide to do it. If you choose not to, that's also fine. We have a ton of events coming up this weekend, which I'm starting to sound like a broken record, but this is in madness how many events, how many majors and GTs are coming it's up. Four majors. And that's Majors are 58 yeah. players now. And six GTs. Like last weekend was the busiest weekend we've ever had in terms of GT and larger events. And then the next weekend is bigger. Yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy. And as I said at the beginning of summer, summer is really when the 40K tournament season really starts to kick off. So if you're looking for tournaments and you're kind of want to scratch that tournament itch and you're in 40K and you're watching this, definitely head over to the ITC website and take a look at all the upcoming events because there are a lot and there's probably one in your area at this point. Yeah, we're working on some really fun stuff. I was just on a call with the BCP guys last night. Uh, not going to steal their thunder, but there's some extremely exciting uh, updates to the app and, and to everything coming out. And uh, I think in the very near future, we'll, we'll actually be able to have a, well, I'll let them explain it, but it's going to, you'll be able to see like in a more visual representation, just how global it has truly become, uh, hopefully in the near future here. But uh, let's go ahead and take a look at some of the events coming up this weekend. So we have a major, the Mags Championship. That's the Midwest Area Game. I can't remember. It's, it's, I don't know, but it's uh, a Gen Con. It's the Gen Con tournament. Yep. And um, that's always a pretty good turnout for that. And that's in Indianapolis, Indiana, obviously, a Gen Con this coming weekend, which unfortunately we can't make it due to um, um, circumstances. But uh, if you were going to... Uh, if you were gonna expecting us to see us at Gen Con, we had to change our plans. So won't be there this year. 
Uh, we also have a GT, the super secret GT in Tallahassee, mm. Florida. I wonder if it's a secret or if it's super. <laughs> it's. I'd come in expecting a lot to this event. Well, that's all they put, super secret GT and, and their name. They didn't say anything else about the event. So. But posting it onto the calendar makes it not so super secret. They posted it onto the super secret calendar first. <laughs> yes. You have to have 3D glasses to, to see it in a decoder ring. Uh, we also have the Four Corners Frenzy 2019 in Farmington, New Mexico. Uh, the G, uh, the Bad Moon GT Series Heat 3 in London. That's at the Bad Moon Cafe. Uh, another GT, Call to Arms in Wellington, New Zealand. Mm. Pretty cool. Yeah, New Zealand is really, there's a lot of events starting to happen uh, there now, which is very cool. Uh, we have another GT, the 40K CWL Open, and that's at the Ogre's Den Gaming Club in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. We have a major, Into the Hellstorm 3, a 1750 Warhammer 40K major ITC tournament in Sutton in Ashfield, England. 1,750 points. There's a couple events doing that because the the G, uh, the 40K GT in Texas coming up, uh, run by Games Workshop in a couple of weeks. They're doing 1750. And I think a lot of people are trying to find ways to short, to speed the game up. Um, 1750 clearly would speed it up some. But uh, yeah, it's the best thing we've found to get the games to finish on time is a chess clock. It just works because we've I've, I've been to tournaments where fifteen hundred points, where the games went to time. It's it's the fishbowl syndrome, you know. It just the, the games players will take as long as they have time to yep. take. It just uh, it's just waiting. Some players are quick, some players are not. But I hope it's a blast and it's a major. So good for them. Uh, we have another GT peaceful negotiations in Bristol, uh, Bristol, UK. Uh, another GT the boardroom brawl twenty nineteen and that's in uh, British Columbia, Canada. A major, the T-Shift Open in Bellevue, Washington, a great event run by our friends, uh, Ben and co up there. It's been running for a very long time. If you can make it to a T-Shift event, highly recommend it. They're super fun. Uh, and, and then finally, another major, the SummerSlam GT, hilarious. Not, not to be confused with the wrestling event. Yes, indeed. And uh, that's in Newcastle, United Kingdom. Right on. And that's, it's great because there's, I think that there's more UK or actually out of the US GTs and majors than there are in the US GTs and majors this weekend. Yeah, it Um, definitely appears that way. You know, it's just, it's a global thing. It's great. Yeah. uh, Speaking of which, I uh, have mentioned it a couple of times, but I was just on a podcast. uh, Is is it La or L? I think it's La Voz, El Voz de de Horse or La Voz? La Voz de Horse? La Voz de Horse. Were you speaking in Spanish the whole time? Clearly it was not. Oh. I got mucho gusto, Ooh. and they were pretty stoked. That I can actually speak Spanish fairly well. I just I hate being put on the spot. It's it's tough. I'm better when I've I've had like you know four or five cervezas, and then it just flows because <laughs> I'm not worried about making mistakes. Uh, but they have a 450 person ITC format event in Spain coming up, and I believe it's November. Um, I just was on uh, I was on their podcast. We had a translator, uh, Stephen from SNN Battle Reports was the, the translator. And it was crazy because we were talking about, uh, in Spain, like the ITC is not super prevalent. They don't really know about it. But one of the main organizers there um, and one of the hosts of the show went to the Gibraltar event and saw his score. He's a, a Thousand Suns player. And he was like, I was ranked fifth in, in Europe, Thousand Suns player. And he's like, what? And that was like how it kind of, it piqued his interest. And then they started looking into it. And so now, the biggest event in Spain, which is also one of the biggest events in the world, uh, is going ITC format, ITC points. So it, it's really cool. Like a lot of those players now are going to get a big score and then they're going to want to go to more events. And 
that was what he said. He was like, I got my score, and then it was so cool. He's like, I wanted to go to more events that scored points. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what we built the system hoping to do. It's to get people to be more involved, to play more games, to have more fun. That's the whole point of it. So it was really, really neat. And again, we've been talking about it a lot, but it's cool to see how international and how many people are coming together, working together, getting excited. Like the German scene has been taking off in a big way. So it's really, really neat to see how much people are enjoying it. Yeah, and, and that's really the one of the big benefits of a, of a large tournament circuit like this is you get to break down those language barriers um, because I, there's a lot of peop more people in South America as well who are picking up, uh, um, I think, Venezuela or... Um, there, was, there was another 40K tournament in South Ur America. It was Uruguay, Venezuela. Ur yeah, that just like had their first ITC 40K tournament. It was one of their first 40K tournaments ever. Um, and, and it's just great. Uh, I can't wait to see more and more events pop up. Yeah, it's it was pretty pretty cool, and I was like, first of all, you guys should be so proud of yourselves. Like, that's gonna be bigger than the LGT. Oh, it's huge. The LGT four, was four thirty. Four hundred fifty for your first. Well, I don't I don't know if it's their first tournament, but no, it's not their first tournament, but it's their biggest tournament, and yeah. they had aspirations to try and push up to a thousand people. So, the scene is going bananas every all around the world. Like, there's multiple events in China, multiple multiple events in Thailand, in Malaysia. Um, Obviously, Australia and New Zealand, all over the place. Like, it's crazy. South Africa, we've been running events. Not like a ton, but they've been steadily doing it for years now. And, so. and, and that's the way you grow those things, right? Is you have, First, you have a couple of GTs, maybe once or twice a year. And then, and then you start to have more. And then you start to have your signature country event where everyone goes. And then it grows into something special. Yeah, and that's it. As I've always said, it only takes one motivated individual to be the seed from which a thriving community grows. Like, if you think about it, there's in every crew, there's like one or two people that kind of like do the heavy lifting of organization. And it may sound like a chore, but it's not. It's very fulfilling. So if you're out there and you're, you want to kind of get involved with this, this cool thing that's happening in the match play scene, just jump in. You know, people want events to go to, and it's very fulfilling to work hard, build an event, see people come, enjoy it, and walk away from it going like, I can't wait to come again. Uh, which, you know, the whole veteran gamers re-enlisted crew, Ray and Rob and, and all those guys uh, just ran the Slaughterfest uh, GT this past weekend. It was their first event. Actually, it was their second, but it was their first big one. And uh, it went off really well and they had a blast and they were super excited about it. So it, it's very rewarding to get involved. Right? And so we've have, we have a lot of tools to help people um, kind of get over that hurdle of like, oh, how do I do it? Because it it's, it's intimidating, right? There's money involved and, you know, it, it can be a little bit much. But uh, there's a lot of support structure now. So if anybody out there is an aspiring TO, uh, it's a great time to get involved. So let's take a look at upcoming Age of Sigmar ITC events. And this is going to be for the month of August. We have a GT, the AOS Gen Con Championship at Gen Con in Indianapolis. The T-Shift Open 2019, also up in Bellevue, Washington. The European Singles Championship 2019, and that's at the ETC. Uh, and then we have the GT Ordo Fanaticus Club Challenge AOS GT in Vancouver, Washington. A major, the War Games Con Age of Sigmar GT in Austin, Texas. War Games Con is an awesome event. Highly recommend going to it. We actually ran it for a couple years. And finally, a GT, the CCBB 2019. Capital City Bloodbath. <laughs> oh, is that what? Uh, that's the Capital City nice. Bloodbath. Nice. And that's also a long-running event. And that's uh, up in, at the Red Dragon Comics, Cards, and Games in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Awesome. Let's take a look <clears throat> at your current 40K ITC top five. So a name that you probably are unfamiliar with at this point in this season, 
Uh, let me tell you, it's a, a dark horse. We, who knows how it's going to go, but uh, it's a guy named Jim Vessel. He's still in first place. Yeah, and, and you know, it, this is a, a common trend the last couple of years. Is generally one person will be the front runner the whole year. For the majority of the season. And, and just no one can catch them. And it's always something diff- someone different every year, too, which I, I think is pretty interesting. What, it, what I've noticed, the, the, the first three months of the season is the Wild West. Yeah. Like, you get, like, because it's just like, depends on where you live, how many big events you have access to. And it's just kind of like the people who jump out there, front runners. Uh, it's, it's, it's crazy time. But what we've seen happen is that people that jump out, like, get a pretty good lead in the beginning, like Jim and TJ, Manny, all these names we've been saying all year long. Um, they smell it in the air. Like, they can feel that this is my year. And then it becomes they, – they go to every event they possibly can because that's – they're making their run for they're, – they're making the run for the gold, right? And so it's, it's interesting because there's always the guys that always go to all the events, you know, like they're just they're, – they're regulars on the tournament scene. But when you see those people that can tell, like, oh, like, I got that feeling that this is my year to go for it, because of, you know, like last year, it was Brandon's year, right? We were saying his name all year. This year he's getting married. He has a bunch of life stuff going on. He's still mm-hmm. doing really well, but it just it just didn't really work out. Or the year that PJ Pants won, he knew he was getting married the next year and buying a house and all this stuff. And he's like, this is my year. I'm, I'm going for it. And he went to every single event he could. And we've been seeing the same thing with Jim. Like, Jim came out of nowhere. And the year prior... Well, not out of nowhere. Well, he, was, he was a good player before. But. Last year, most people did not know his name. That's true. That's you know fair. What I mean? That's fair. And then this year he's just smashing. He's going to all these events. And TJ Lanigan in second place, same story. TJ goes to a lot of events, period. But this year the wind is at his back. He's kicking ass. And you're just seeing him at like weekend after weekend after weekend. So it's really cool because you you, you see this where they, the, the guys know like, okay, or, or gals, like this is my year. And they just keep going to events, keep getting better, keep succeeding. And that's why you see their names kind of get stuck at the top. Right. They're earning it. Absolutely. Uh, and then uh, the third place, we got Manny Chima, who is a UK player. Very good. Uh, fourth place, a guy that's always up there in the top 10. He took a little time. He took a little a while to get warmed up this year, but Nick Nonavati has jumped into fourth place. That's a name everyone in competitive 40K is familiar with. Currently is running Tau. Yeah, I saw that. I saw uh, that. How interesting. Like, what happened to the orcs, buddy? That's, that's a, if I could look at uh, the least Nick Nonavati army I could possibly think of, a Tau gun line would probably be it. Tau are doing extremely well right now but on the strength of those god dang drones. <laughs> Remember, Nick, they can't summon demons. They can't shoot twice. They can't close combat. So, yeah, but they, they, but they drone. They drone. Oh, I got my, I got my head. I got bonked on the head twice uh, at Slaughterfest with, uh, by Tau, although I did hilariously win my last game. Which that's a story we'll have to share because oh it was comedy gold. So great. <laughs> so I was uh, RJ should have uh, like tabled me instead on the power of Abaddon and amazingly good luck. I, I managed to win that game. It was hilarious. Although we didn't record the game. Oh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to talk about <laughs> yeah, it later. We we'll, we'll have to. Oh, that was funny. Uh, and then of course another Tau player, Richard Siegler from Florida, in fifth place, and he has been steadily climbing the rankings and displacing a lot of other players. So. Uh, well done to them. And you know what? Well, let's give a shout out. Our boy, Jeff Robinson, Spirit, still hanging in there. Top in 10. Eighth place. Thousand points. Well done. Well done, buddy. Uh, 40K ITC Hobby Track, top five. And you've, we've said it almost every week. But again, this is unprecedented. Uh, Jim Vessel is in first place. Never had a competitive player rank so highly in both. 
although the hobby track is relatively new. Uh, Lou Rollins, who won it last year, is climbing the rankings. He's got back into second place. Uh, well done, Jim. You're going to have to uh, – can't sit on your laurels because these guys are gunning for you. Paul Winters in third, Jason Bird in fourth, and Andrew Ford in fifth. Your Age of Sigmar, current top five. Oh, my gosh. It's it's a point three point race. Right so now. the Jersey kid has been displaced. Oh my gosh! Somebody call Ricky Valley. This is un, <laughs> unheard of. The French overlord Jeremy Vessier has displaced his friend and our buddy as well, Matt Pashby, who has dropped down into second place. Paul Jar Jarzeski goes into third. Dutch Adams moves down into fourth, and Chris Bergman in fifth. Well done. Age of Sigmar Hobby Track, we have Ricky Fisher jumps into first place, Philip Produsco into second, Natasha Thomas in third, Rich Waters moves into fourth, Matt Beasley in fifth. Still getting some momentum there, but uh, it will catch on in time. Current Shade Spire, top five, Tony Field continues to lead the pack, followed by Ivan Cho, Jonathan Colson in third, Philip Santamaria in fourth, Kevin Cruz in fifth. Well done, guys. Kill Team Current, top five, the one and only Michael T. Hoey, still in first place. Will anybody beat this guy? He's, he's supposed to be really good. Apparently. R really, really good. Apparently. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Hebb moves into second place. Georgie Garnett goes into third. Alex Gritton in fourth. Frank Dalekis in fifth. If you hear a crazy noise in the background, that's because one of our manufacturing, uh, pieces of manufacturing equipment just decided to start its self-cleaning uh, system. That's always a good time when that happens. We have no control over it, though. Probably won't be able to hear it too much, but it was shocking to us. So we had a million events over the past two weeks. We didn't cover top four results last week uh, because we were, you know, because of everything that's been going on. Uh, so I'm not going to go through every event because there's so many. As you can see, I'm going to just go over the results of the last two weeks. So uh, who were the top, who were the winners and the losers and this is taking a look at top four placements again, thanks to 40kstats.com. So in the last two weeks, which we had a ton of events, Chaos and Imperium came out tied, although, and this is just by my personal ranking system, it's not anything objective really. Well, it is objective, but uh, different people could look at it in different ways. Uh, basically, I assign, I assign each faction four points for first, three points for second, one for, or two for third, one for fourth. So Chaos and Imperium both had 25 points in the last two weeks. Although Chaos had three first place finishes, Imperium only had one. Imperium kind of filled out the middle of the pack. Chaos is becoming more and more popular as we've been seeing. Uh, Eldari was sitting there in third with 19 points, followed by Tau. Necrons had a huge couple of weeks here uh, with a first, second, third, and two fourth place finishes. They've been steadily climbing in the faction rankings it, it it's funny because we keep breaking them down calling them a bad faction and like just, necrons they, they rise up and <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> they, they keep rising up better and newer never like the t1000 yes they're coming for us yes. uh one, one thing i want to give a special shout out to is tau and necrons uh chaos imperium and eldari of course are all super factions uh they've got access to allies they have access to powerful combinations tau and necrons don't Yet they made the top five with respectable scores. And I imagine if you were to break the Chaos Imperium and Eldari into single factions, um, Tau and Necrons would be even higher. Yeah. And the other thing you want to take a look at is representation in the meta. Chaos and Imperium and Eldari, but especially Imperium, are so overrepresented. Like, 
that is by a mile the most people are playing Imperium followed by Chaos, and the Eldari is in third place. So it makes sense that you're seeing them put up the most wins because they're the most represented. But then you look at like Tau, and especially Necrons are very underrepresented. Tau, not as much. Necrons are one of the less played armies. But the, t the Necron community is dialed in on the things that work, and they really haven't gotten anything new, right? Like, it's not like they got a new supplement or, you know, a detachment. Like, it's, they're working with the same tools they've been working with all edition, but now they've got it worked, like, figured out. Yeah. And it's, it's to me, you know, the downside is that there's not a lot of var variety in the lists. They're all pretty similar. But, you know, it, it's better to have one tool in your toolbox than none. Looking at you, Grey Knights. Womp, womp. But uh, it's, you know, it's usually it's the triple Doomsight, triple uh, Doomsday Arc, uh, Tomb Blades, maybe Destroyers with some Immortals and Spur characters. That's pretty much what you're seeing, but it works. Yeah. I, like, I get scared now when I play against a good Necron army. I'm like, ooh. Like, uh, for example, Don Hoosen, who's been kicking ass, got creamed by a Necron army at, um, at Slaughterfest. He had bad, he has some bad dice, to be fair, but um, they, they got the tools. Yeah, the yeah, tools. absolutely. Especially with Knights coming on, those Doomsday Arcs will absolutely destroy Knight uh, every turn, outrange it. And take can't be very charged little damage in return. They fly and take very little damage in return. The Necrons are definitely a good counter to Knights and Imperium lists. And now that Chaos Knights are on the are on the field, uh, it's an, maybe a good chance for Necrons to come in and steal a few more wins. Yeah, so they've been uh, performing better and better. Uh, Admech, this is interesting. This is the the we've been seeing this pattern. This is one of the only mono faction Imperial armies that has been steadily performing well. The FAQ and then Vigilus gave them so many tools they're very competitive like pure admic had a first place and a fourth place finish in the last two weeks and again that's not an army that's played a lot so well done to them uh gene Sealer colt threw up one first place finish pure imperial knights threw up a first place finish now it was andrew gagno who's uh -huh. one of the better players in the world in my opinion uh so you know take Take that into consideration, but a lot of people didn't think you could possibly win with uh, pure Imperial Knights, and he won a GT. Yeah, well, if you throw enough darts at a dartboard blindfolded, <laughs> eventually you'll get a bullseye. A million monkeys with a million typewriters. <laughs> uh, orcs, still, like, orcs are a great faction, but this is the first time in a long time when they didn't win an event. They got a third and two fourth place finishes. Pure Astra Militarum, who I am shocked more people aren't playing them. They're so good. Mr. Brandon Grant piloted him to a second place finish at Slaughterfest, uh, only losing to a mixed chaos army. And it was only because he didn't know how, he didn't realize how good Abaddon was in combat versus Imperium. He does now. Uh, Pure Custodes throwing up a second place finish. That was Bridger Han, who is leading the pack right now. He's number one Custodes. Forces of the Hive Mind, which is not an actual faction. It's one we made up to describe mixed Gene Sealer Colts. Uh, they got a third and a fourth. And finally, we had a Chaos Space Marine player, Pure Chaos Space Marine. Throwing up a third place finish. So, a lot of variety. One thing that's really surprising is, is Dark Eldar, because Pure Dark Eldar is a very good competitive faction, and they didn't throw up a top four finish in the last two weeks, um, which I think is kind of surprising. Um, obviously, it's only two weeks, and we don't have the complete data, uh, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. They usually do. They're one of the best single codex factions in the game, and typically they do have someone out there like a Skari or somebody who's extremely dedicated and good dark elder player jukari but uh I, I, this week i didn't have the time to break down the sub factions if you really want to go if you want to go take a look at it go to 
uh, 40kstats.com, or better than that, get a subscription to BCP so you can look at all the lists. But Drukari and all these Eldari, you know, armies that performed well, Drukari was in every single one of them. Either right. as the main component or as, you know, throwing in Ravagers and you know, some Flyers. So they're, they're very prevalent. I would say that they're even more, they're more represented in the Eldari soup combo than Azriani. But um, it, it does vary. Uh, so looking at a rolling two-month average with my very simple system, let's take a look at the winners and the losers. Uh, and this is as of this last weekend. So Imperium continues to lead the pack with 54 total points and followed by Chaos. Again, there should be no surprise there because those are the two most popular uh, factions in the game. But then the big one, Tau, is crushing it. They are just kicking ass. It is so difficult to get through all those goddamn drones. You know, like the, the, they just have the endurance to keep shooting all game or until the end of the game. And a lot of times you just run out of gas by the time you plow through the drones and actually are able to attack them. Yeah, and, and previously, as a, as a knight player, I always found my town matchup pretty easy. Um, but now that knights lost their three-up invuln, which was really popular among Imperium knights, um, it really gave Tau uh, a huge advantage in that matchup. And obviously that's a matchup that Tau players see every single tournament they go to because there's so many knights. Um, and that's probably not the only reason why Tower being so successful, um, but Tower really well placed right now in the meta. Chaos lists are going more and more elite style with the Lord Discordants and Chaos Knights. Daredeos. We're even seeing more, yeah, Daredeos, more Magnus, more Mortarian. So Tau don't have to kill as many hordes that are getting into them like Gene Circle, like Orcs, uh, although those matchups are still there. And if you're an Orc or Gene Circle player, maybe now's the time to jump on this meta train at the end of the summer and beat up on some Tau. Yeah, it's, it's something you need to think about. Like, a lot of Tau players were kind of down. They felt like their faction was underrepresented. Although I have noticed that a lot of Tau players, in general, describing the community, have a little bit of a persecution complex. It's uh, Maybe it's justified, maybe it's not, but they do always feel like everyone's out to get them, like, uh, like me. Everyone is. <laughs> I know, someone we'll call Recio. Get him on the case, because the Tau, they're getting <laughs> uppity, man. Someone needs to put them back down in their place. I'm, of course, I'm kidding, but you know, people out there are going to think I'm not. Oh, well. Uh, you need to plan for it because it is so difficult to crack that nut. And in the tournaments, I'm like, I think I'm just slightly up on beating Tau than getting be beaten by them. Uh, if you don't have really good shooting, it can be just a bear. Uh, as a melee army like this weekend, I really felt it was such a struggle to get through all that shooting. And then, of course, the Overwatch. Um, you have to be really tricky and clever to do it. Uh, Eldari is next up, and that's mixed Eldar. To no one's surprise. You know, and, and funny, funny enough, Eldari get a lot of uh, negative energy sent their way. But I feel like it, in this instance, it's actually not fully justified, right? Like, they were the boogeyman in, you know, 7th edition, definitely, in 6th edition, definitely. In this edition, they've been good. They had some crazy stuff, like with Yanari, definitely got a bad reputation. But now, aside from the ultra-annoying uh, Eldar Air Force, which no one likes to play against because it's so silly... They're actually totally fine. They don't deserve the negative attention that they get. What, what, what's your opinion on that topic? Uh, so the Eldar flyer list is, I, I think, the actual Eldar list that most people think of when they think of a competitive Eldar list. Other than that, I've seen a lot of really cool, unique combinations. Um, and there have been more Dark Eldar players coming out and running pure Dark Eldar since the Eldar nerfs. Um, 
so I don't know. I think I think Eldari are probably if, if the Eldar Flyer were ever to get nerfed, um, specifically the Crimson Hunters and uh, the Hemlock Wraith fighters, um, I think we probably see even less Eldari lists make the table. Um, yeah. But I, maybe not. I mean the cat the three the triple Ravager, you know Cabal the Black Heart detachment with Eldar good stuff and maybe Harlequins is always going to be a staple in the faction. So maybe yeah, not. Harlequins do really well and they were they were they they're always hovering around the top tables. Usually not pure Harlequins. It's usually a Harlequin detachment that does something that you need it to do, like the Death Chesters, the Solitaire, the, the Haywire bikes, etc. Um, but the, the one thing I've noticed is I'm a big Azuriani player. I play pure Azuriani. Is that it's really difficult to play the screen game with them. That's the part that they really suffer from. And then if you're playing like ground-based Eldar and you're playing against like an army like Gene Sealer Cult or Bloodletter Bombs, stuff like that, it's so difficult for them to counter that because they just don't have the cheap, efficient screen units. Like the best thing you have is like Storm Guardians, and it's a challenge to like keep them to have the endurance for that unit to do what it needs to do. Like, in my opinion, uh, not using the, the cheesy flyer screen, which is so dumb. But if you took that away from them, like I don't, I see them beating Gene Sealer Colt like one in five games. Yeah, it's, it's just they don't they don't have the ability to counter it. Yeah. Even the, you know, intercept with a forewarning or whatever it's called. Like, yeah, you're going to kill one unit, but, like, when you're playing against an army that's going to spam a ton of units coming out of reserves, it doesn't matter. They can lose that unit, and they're still going to cream you. Yeah, and, and Gene Stiller Colt players also have the option to put their powerhouse units on the board and then put them back into reserve so that they come in turn five, turn six, when there isn't any CP to use to intercept them. Um, to, you know, it's a good matchup for Gene Stiller Colt. It is. It really is. And, like, Ray, our teammate, who's... Uh, Usually top ranked Azriani, I think he still is. I don't know. I haven't he won it last year, but like he was saying, he was like, if I couldn't stop people from moving with my flyers, like melee armies would just run me over it very free, especially if they go first. And I have to agree. As much as I think the, the Air Force list is the is like so unenjoyable, it's non-interactive. I really don't like it. It's kind of like that's the the leg they're standing on right now in the competitive yep. scene. So, you know, you got to take the good with the bad, I suppose. Uh, and then pure uh, orcs next up. Orcs have been doing really, really well. They got so many good things. That super shock attack gun that, that they got in Vigilus is like that's been like marked. If you have that unit in your orc list, you do like significantly better than if you don't. So if you're an orc player out there, take your Lutas, take your shock attack gun, uh, and then do kind of whatever else you want with the rest of it. <laughs> Yeah, Jeff Poole, a really, really good Eldar, really good Tau player, brought his orcs to Slaughterfest and did really well with them. Um, orcs are great. They're the only other faction to put up six first place finishes in the last two months, other than Chaos, uh, which is impressive. Thanks, Rich Kilton. You guys can all give a big wah to him yeah. and his impressive showing. I think he's got half of those. <laughs> um, but the orcs are orcs are good. They're they, they're not played a lot compared to the other factions. Um, I think there's more Tau than orcs, uh, although I, I'm not exactly sure without looking at the numbers. But um, there's a lot of really good elite orc players who you always have to watch out for. Um, so they're not necessarily a faction you should build to beat, but they're definitely top players that you should definitely think about if you want to do well. Yeah, and it's the, what the cool thing is is that we've we've seen that I would say like 50% of the winning orc lists are very similar. Yep. But then you've got about 50% of them that are just all over the place, right? Like with dual Gorkonauts, I'd like a, a guy, a gentleman who did really well this past week and had like three. Uh, DACA jets and vehicles. So people kind of like, there's a lot of follow the leader in, in, that occurs in match play and it's it's understandable, right? If someone has got success, you want to replicate that success. It's just the way it is. 
But then there's a lot of creativity in the orc list too, more so than I've seen in other Xenos factions like Tau and, and Necrons. For Tau, you basically have your Triptide, Broadside, Drone, or the, the vehicle list, which is really cool. Like at least there's two very distinct different lists that are both very good. And then Krons where it's like, it's almost the exact same list, but so that's that's cool if you're an orc player, there's there's quite a bit of variety there. Uh, Pure Azuyani is sitting, uh, or sorry, Necrons follow orcs, which is totally goes against what you would think. Like a lot of people out there on, online are still parroting Necrons suck, they're bad, you can't win. Well, no, that's just not true. Did, did, so Necrons have 16 points for the last two months. Most of those points were scored these past two weeks, right? Uh, about half of them. About half of them? Yep. So yeah, Necrons, are, they're, they're coming up big time. Uh, then we got uh, Azugani, that's pure Eldar, and almost all of those are Air Force armies, unfortunately. Uh, Drukhari uh, sitting pretty uh, right under Azugani, and there's a wide variety of armies in there, which I thought is really cool. If you, pure Drukhari armies, there's, they're very diverse. The one thing you do see a lot is um, triple Ravagers with maybe some flyers. But outside of that, there's like grotesque spam lists. Um, one of the lists. Venom spam. Venom spam. They, they, they have a lot of variety in that army. Uh, Admech is the first solo faction Imperium army in the rankings. Very cool. They got a ton of help, like we were saying. Uh, then you got Gene Stiller Colt, Forces of the Hive Mind, Chaos Space Marines, Space Marines, Astro Militarum, which is almost entirely Brandon Grant, uh, Custodes, Imperial Knights, Blood Angels, and Tyranids. Tyranids are on the board. Blood Angels what? put up a second place finish. Thomas, oh, Thomas, Thomas Oki got second place at the Boise Cup, and uh, he, uh, it was amazing. Like I was like so impressed. I was that's, like Thomas, slow clap. That's lightning hitting twice. Yeah, and look if if you want to read his battle reports, they're on Frontline Gaming. They're very detailed. So if you're a Blood Angels player and you want to see how in the heck did he do this in an extremely competitive tournament, uh, go check it out. They're really interesting. So here are some completed commissions that were painted by the FLG Paint Studio recently. We've got uh, Tech Priest Engine Seer, a uh, very good looking model. The new plastic kit is so cool. Mm. I need to get one in my Imperial Guard or my Ash Mil Military Army. I don't know why I haven't yet because I run a lot of tanks and having one of these guys, like having a, 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 an apothecary in your space, like if you're playing space screens, you don't have an apothecary, you're, you're doing it wrong. Like, you got to do it. The ability to heal and bring guys back is so good, and healing your tanks is, is amazing. Uh, and, and apropos, uh, Thomas said that his uh, Sanguinary Priest, his Apothecary, was like one of the most critically important models in his army. And then we have some Sniper Hobbits, a.k.a. Rattlings, which I think this might actually be the first Rattling commission we've ever done. Uh, we, we don't see enough of these models. They're, they're probably some of my favorite models in the range. They're just, they're just great. They're just hobbits, Bilbo Baggins with, uh, with sniper rifles. Frodo and Samwise. <laughs> and they're a little too, too bro-y relationship. Got a little strange there at the end. Yeah. Or not. Maybe it wasn't oh, bro-y enough. Definitely. Definitely <laughs> was a little too bro-y. I know. It was like, at the end there, I was like, man, this is getting a little weird, but that's okay. So, uh, Rattlings, I'm surprised more people don't take them. Like, I always wonder why. I always ask myself, like, why don't I take them? They're a really efficient sniper unit. And the fact that they can shoot and then move is pretty cool, right? Like you could, uh, if, if you're in a position where you want to take a shot, but you know you'll die in return, you can, you know, boogie so, out of the way. So, so let me tell you why. One time I found a player playing Rattlings and he had a 3-0 record at the LVO. And I was like, wow, you're playing Rattlings. Like I asked him pretty much a similar question. And I noticed all of his Rattlings were the guy holding a sniper rifle up like this. And he said, well, the reason why is because you can't see over ledges a lot because they're so short models. You want them to shoot things so they never get line of sight to anything. So he bought 
five packs just for the guy holding a sniper rifle up just so they could shoot over ledges. Which otherwise they may not actually be yeah. able to. So, you know. That's a questionable call, but I, I understand yeah. the logic. <laughs> he didn't want to model for Van. He didn't want to put them on boxes or anything, which I think would be pretty funny. I think that that'd be fine. Because <laughs> it's the rule of cool, right? Like, right. If you make them a little taller by putting them on a scenic base, that means that they can shoot but also be shot. Yeah, that's one of those kind of gray areas. You should put a rattling on top of another rattling's shoulder so that they're standing and then maybe give them like a cloak or something. Yeah. Or a trench coat. Yeah, like the little kids pretending to be an adult in the cartoons. They always do that. All right. So let's answer some questions before we wrap up the show. And as a reminder, the FLG Mat Summer Super Sale is going through August 12th. If you want to get some new mats in various sizes and designs, we've got a lot of new designs. Uh, you have until then to do so, 20% off and free shipping options, $99 and up within the continental United States. So if you want to pick up usually two mats is uh, the magic number, you can further save money on the shipping. Wait, while the questions are queuing in. <laughs> Rad Bully says, Grey Knight players are crybabies. That codex is totally legit. That's not a mm. inflammatory Ooh. statement. <laughs> um, Reese, tell us about your game against RJ oh, God. at Slaughterfest. We have to hear this. So, Slaughterfest, uh, great, first of all, a great event. It's at Pachanga, which is a, a, a casino uh, and resort. Pachanga. Pach oh, Pachanga, excuse me. Uh, about an hour away from uh, uh, San Diego. It's, it's near Murrieta. Oh, it's in Murrieta. It's near uh, Temecula. Um, really pretty out there. It's a super, super nice, like, like nicer than many of the, the places in Vegas. Uh, only downside, it's, it's a little bit of a pain in the ass to get out there if you're flying. Relatively minor downside. It's the same thing at like Adepticon or something. But uh, for, super fun event. The guys did a great job. Big shout out to the Veteran Gamers Reenlisted, Ray, Rob, everybody. Andy, you guys did a, a tremendous job, especially considering you're new. Uh, had a ton of fun, and I recommend anybody go to the next one. But um, I went three and three with my corner army. Not my best showing. Had a lot of fun, though. Um, learned a lot. My army definitely had some, some weaknesses, some things I'm going to tweak. Uh, my last game, I played RJ, uh, awesome guy. He's playing Tau, and I was like, God dang it, I drew Tau again for my last game because I got creamed in round two by a Tau player who it was his first tournament ever. Mm. It was was it really, though? He, he was like, I, he's like, <laughs> I was really prepared for this. He's like, I practiced, and I studied, and I listened to the podcast and stuff. So he, he came in, like, he was like, oh, it's my first tournament. I was like, oh, man, okay, we'll take it easy. It'll be a learning game. And then he deploys in, like, a perfect castle, and I was like, oh, okay, already. In that game, let me tell you the highlight of that game. His two Riptides, I counted deployed him really well. His two Riptides have to use Mont, whatever it is, the advance, twice. He couldn't shoot me at all in the first turn. Second turn, barely gets his two Riptides into range with, like, almost no buffs on him. He does, uh, like, I can't remember, like, 20 wounds or something like that to me. And I only made, like, four. It was ridiculous. Like, I, I, and I had a four-up interval save. My knight explodes. I roll boxcars on the explosion, and then it does 14 mortal wounds to my army. And I was like, cool. I was oh, like, man. I shouldn't have died, period, first of all. <laughs> like, second of all, what the hell just happened? Uh, so that didn't go so well. So anyway, RJ and I were playing. RJ's awesome opponent. We were having so much fun. There was like, by the time we got to the end of it, there was like 12 people watching, too, because we were laughing so hard. Basically, RJ was kicking my ass. And uh, I got first turn. I, 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 I did everything I could. I was charging from inside, from behind ruins out of line of sight to minimize the overwatch, blah, blah, blah. But um, it just really wasn't going my way. And one of my bloodletter bombs failed the charge from reserve. And when that happens, the wheels come off the bus. Uh, it's like a 92% chance of making it. 
So then a whole 20 man unit got nuked without doing anything. And then I was like on my back foot, getting a little salty, if I'm going to be honest. I was like, God dang it. Like, this, my army just sucks so hard against Tau. And then uh, Abaddon run. So RJ had all of his stuff on top of a magic box, a building. Oh, hold on, hold on. We have to talk about the magic dice. They oh, no, no, I'm were... getting there. Okay, getting all, right, there. all right, all right, all right. So uh, Abaddon makes it across with my Exalted Champion, my Smash Prince. They all make it in. They kill a bunch of stuff, but it's mostly just drones. And I'm, I'm just like, I'm like, ah, damn it, drones. I go under the building because Abaddon, uh, none of the suits can go into the building. Abaddon goes into the building, but he only has one wound left. And I'm like, well, I was like, well, RJ, if you don't kill him, I'm going to heroically intervene in your turn up a level to engage you in combat with no overwatch. So I was like, that's my only hope. And, you know, you got me. We'll see how it goes. So he proceeds to shoot Abaddon with all, every smart missile he has. It's all AP1, all ignores cover, and just lays into him. And I'm like, man, this sucks. And then our buddy Roman walks up and his wife Charlie, or Jordan, what am I saying, Roman? Jordan and his wife Charlie goes, oh, hey, these are some cool dice. I thought you'd have them. I just wanted to give them to you as a gift. I was like, oh, well, thanks so much. I was like, oh, I'll use these. Why not, right? So Abaddon takes like 13, 14 wounds. And again, it's a three-up save and he only has one wound left. And I proceed to make all of them. And everyone was like, what? I was like, oh, my God, what just happened? And, and these dice weren't loaded. RJ took the magic dice and rolled them himself and rolled, <laughs> rolled a one ones. and a two. <laughs> Oh, well, he rolled two ones and then re-rolled one of the ones to a two. Yeah. <laughs> so they weren't loaded. They were just re-sloaded. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> and he and I have been, like, drinking beers and stuff, too, because we were just like, ah, we're both two and three. Who cares what happens? We're just having fun. It was hilarious. But then uh, RJ had moved so that I didn't have room to come up a level, so I, was, I couldn't heroically intervene. And I, I told him what I was going to do, and he, he saw it anyway. He's a good player. So then Abaddon killed the rest of the drones. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, well... That was funny, but there's no way in hell it's going to happen again. Next turn, RJ does the same thing. Shoots all the smart missiles into him. Does 50, uh, what was it 50? It was like something like that, like 13 or something wounds again. And I was like, oh, there's no way. There's no way he's going to make it. I was rolling him two at a time because I only had two of these dice. Anyway, <laughs> I make him. I make him. I make everyone's like, oh my god! It's, it's like a craps table. There's like 15 people around now <laughs> at this time, all shouting at these magic dice that an Abaddon at one wound. Yeah, and I make it, and on the last roll, I roll the last two, I fail one, and RJ's like, yes, finally! And I'm like, CP re-roll, make it. It was 20, I made 25 three-up saves. It was ridiculous. Crazy, and then and then Abaddon, of Rises course. up from below, and we were all laughing. It was like WWF, like... The lights start going and music starts playing. Abaddon's coming out. <laughs> it, it, well, it, it's every chaos player's dream, oh, right? Yes. Is to get Abaddon into a Tau gun line to alive. All, to all of them. To, with, uh, oh, with yeah. No drones left whatsoever. <laughs> so he proceeds to just slaughter everything. Oh, it was one of the fun, it was one of the funniest 40k moments I've ever had in my life. Like it was we were dying laughing. It was so funny. So at the end of the game, I actually, I actually ended up winning, although we didn't record the game, so who cares? It didn't matter, but it was so much fun. And I had maybe three models left on the table. Yeah. Yeah. El Mastodonte, <laughs> Abaddon, and the Demon Prince, who was actually doing a lot of work for you. Yeah, the Demon Prince was because I refused to charge anything that could kill him in Overwatch. He just was just killing everything. Yeah. Oh, and Little Bow Wow got all my uh, behind enemy lines points. Little about Karanak. Karanak. Little yes. Bow Wow. I always tell people, I'm like, if you kill my dog, it's John Wick time. I just want to warn you. Don't kill the dang dog or it's the gloves are coming off. Yeah. That's what his job usually is that he go hide somewhere and gets mission points. 
it's oh. what corn intended him for we were like we were like crying we were laughing so hard it was it was one of those wonderful 40k moments when it's so absurd and so unlikely to occur that it's something you'll remember forever right and that's why the random elements of the game is important it's fun so rj uh thank you for the amazing game that was so much that was one of the most fun games of 40k i've ever had really enjoyed it uh so questions let's see if there's any questions everyone's just laughing in the chat I think they were preparing them and then they, they stopped. Let's see. Give them a second. Three and three and three ain't bad. Yeah, it's not. Thank you, never mind, John. But it's not terrible, right? Like I usually do better than that, but um, I had fun, and ultimately that's why you go to the events. Like the two, one of the games I lost, I just lost. Like the towel player just smashed my nuts. <laughs> like there was that was just the way it was. If I got first turn, I might have had a chance, but I didn't. And then the the other games I lost, I could have won, but I either made a mistake. Or just like a critical thing didn't go my way. Uh, really fun games. Like my teammate juniors kicked my ass uh, because I, I learned that when you um, sally forth with the night, you don't have to be wholly within six inches of the table edge. Just only within. partly, which I'm sure that's not, I'm sure that was a, a typo because everything else is wholly within. But if you're a night player, that's extremely strong. Um, I think that I caught think, me off guard because I thought I had screened out and I didn't. I think maybe GW thought with that that because the night base is so big, they didn't want the night to be completely screwed because six inches can be a little tight. Well, the shadow sword has to do it. That's true. I, that's true. Well, and they even increased it by an inch for the shadow sword so they could allow the sponsors. Right? It's like I think it's seven inches. Yeah, they did to allow the sponsors. Um, uh, but I don't think GW foresaw the like pinky toe on the line no. night getting ready to Going to sideways. sack the quarterback. Yeah, you know. Uh, Holly2380, oh, thank you for your continued subscription. 51 months. Wow, thank you so Alex. much. Alex. Uh, yeah, VGRA, there was like a huge little crowd around our table. We were on table like 40. <laughs> like it, was, it was because we were laughing and having so much fun. Everybody was like, what's going on over there? And then everybody got into it, and it was so funny. Uh, Valerie has a question for Pablo. Do you stop flaming Eldari? Uh, should we take Eldrad about removing? Should we talk to Eldrad about removing your never win tournament curse? Uh, I mean, you know, if if I didn't flame Eldari, <laughs> who would? Who would? <laughs> the rest of the internet. <laughs> um, uh, Apocalypse four four eight asks, how and where do we come FLG Patreons? Uh, if you want to support the uh, FLG via Patreon, go to the ITC Patreon. There's a big banner ad on the front page of the blog, or any of the ITC pages. There's a banner ad, or I shouldn't say ad. There's a banner that leads you. If you click on it, it'll take you to the, the place. And you could do it for as little as a dollar a month. Depends on what you can afford and what you're willing to, to give. Uh, let me see. Red Bully, have you noticed a big problem with people hanging parts of their models over the edge of tables? Well, you know, that's something you should call them on because that's in, that's in the rule book, right? The entire model must be on the table. That's not, that's, that's not even, like, ambiguous in the slightest. Um, it's kind of one of those things that people let it slide, usually, because it's not a big deal. But in the instance where someone has like a million flyers or something like that, like it, does, it will become an issue. So um, you can politely remind your opponent like, hey, no part of your model can be off the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I've, I personally haven't seen a problem or an issue with it. Uh, and there's always been some leeway, especially on tables where there's less uh, space to move around. Um, you know, it, it's, it's just, it really does depend. But I think on Twitch or on a stream top table, something like that, I think you should definitely be watching your models making sure they're not hanging off the edges uh vgra what was our favorite part of the swag bag i don't know it was a great swag the bag. ass wipes <laughs> and, and you, I, it's funny because because you know it, it they're wiped they were wipes and they were called ass wipes it's just 
a fact. Um, but to me, they were my favorite because I'd been using a dry erase marker or a wet erase marker previously at every tournament I'd been to in June. And I just had to like lick my finger and just do, 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 do. And so when I saw that there were, you know, wipes in there, I was like, yes. And so I yeah. just used them up. A lot of people have been giving out uh, laminated like score sheets, which are genius. I like, I seriously use them every single time I play now and you get oh, a wet so erase great. pen and you check off which secondaries you and your opponent get and you check off your scores. You go, it's the best, seriously, it's the best tool for playing ITC yep. missions or really any mission that it's applicable to. It just makes it so easy to keep track of what's going on. Yep. Uh, that, that is great. And I use those all, all the time. Fire at Will, thank you so much for your subscription. We really appreciate it. That uh, the money that comes in via Twitch helps pay for Mariana's salary, the cameras, the internet, all that stuff. So it helps it uh, to be less of a burden. I really appreciate it. Am I now permanent on signals? No. Uh, the raw dog stubbed his toe. He did not. He did not. The salty banana was uh, he he was BJJ and another guy and did it wrong and hurt his ankle. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Just when you're when you're BJJing with another guy, you gotta get your technique down, or you That's might true. get injured, or you That's might true. injure them. Yeah. Uh, anyways, and there was some slight swelling, some mild <laughs> irritation, maybe some rashes, um, and so he had to get airlifted to the hospital. No, <laughs> he didn't have to get airlifted, but uh, he's limping around. He's like trying to get some crutches, and I'm like, you're too you're too old for the BJJ game. You know what I'm saying? Take it easy, raw dogger, or. Uh, you know, you never know. The salty banana is going to be the, the broken banana. Uh, is there an official ITC? Oh, we lost it. Yeah, he, he was, uh, he tried to double leg somebody and uh, the, 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 the banana has been putting on some, some pounds again lately and he, uh -oh. he hurt his ankle pretty bad. So, uh, yeah, there you go. That's why he's not here. Uh, at any rate, thank you all so much for joining us for episode 648 from Signals of Signals from the Frontline. We hope you enjoyed it. As a reminder, if you want to go to the SoCal Open, play 40K, uh, or Kill Team or any of the other events, please grab those tickets, especially 40K champs. It is There's less than 10 or something like that tickets left. Um, and, of course, if you want to pick up a mat, please do so. We would super appreciate it, and it's a great time to save some money. And lastly, if you want to go to Jeff uh, and Control Robinson's uh, memo uh, community memorial, that's on the 10th of August in Mountain View, California. Fill, up the, fill out the RSVP form, and we'll give you the and, details. And if you get a chance headed on over to chapter tactics uh the last episode episode number 123 was a special episode dedicated to jeff um and i thought it was probably one of the best episodes we've recorded yet it was an episode on the competitive or the history of competitive 40k and i had reese on had paul murphy on uh and uh sean morgan on and it was it was a really great episode um and i think a really great tribute to jeff and what he did for the community yeah and it was a marathon episode but it was a lot of fun a lot of laughs and a lot of really good information. And of course, check out the FLGN Podcast Network, uh, the cool, the new cool kid on the block, 40K Stat Center. Uh, they're, they're, they're killing it. Their last episode was great. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. We all hope you all have a great week, and we will talk to you again next Wednesday. Until then, happy gaming.